You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. episode 145 i'm one of your hosts david lyons and i'm michael edwards in case anybody forgot who we were last week or if that was their <laughs> first episode where we completely forgot to introduce ourselves <laughs> now everyone is reminded yeah. um we have to i i am a little remiss to say we, we have a little bit of mac follow-up like <laughs> i'm i'm a little just because like i'm i'm emotionally tired of yeah. the Mac stuff, but I do find it interesting, so I kind of want to like lay on a fainting couch with someone fanning me so I can just like slowly get these ideas out, but that's not how we podcast. <laughs> so the two You don't things, have someone wafting I, air onto you while you <laughs> I don't. And if if they're going to do that, doesn't it have to be a giant palm frond? Like I yes. feel like right? Like that's just it doesn't matter what part of the world you're in. Like that's how that has to happen. <laughs> Um, but the, these two things that we we kind of touched on, but I just I wanted to like dig explicitly explicitly into is um, having dongles on the new MacBook Pros because there are only USB C ports all the way around. You know, two on the FN MacBook or four on the Touch Bar MacBooks. It's just not that big of a deal. Like I'm um, anyone who uses a Mac is already used to using dongles, and anyone who ever takes their computer to somewhere besides their house like if you use a laptop for business you've had to use like a vga adapter an hdmi adapter or a dvi adapter or an ethernet yeah. adapter or something like this is this is nothing new and USB-C is a good thing and yeah it's early days but that's one thing you can like give apple is they tend to push it along faster because they're just like band-aids coming off buddy here we go <laughs> it's true <laughs> and to their credit, they they cut prices on all their cables and dongles, so it removes a little bit of the, oh, you're just doing this to rake it in. That one was of. actually a little bit of a shock, wasn't it? For them to be <laughs> yeah. like, oh, people are really pissed about this. <laughs> we, we should probably do some kind of a little concession here. But yeah. I, I think my, my main thing with USB-C in particular is not just the, the long term of it, but even in the short run, if you get a little USB-C box that's, you know, the size of like a deck of cards, it can have USB-C for power, Ethernet, USB-A, and HDMI all on a little tiny box that'll all go into that one port. So it's like, instead of carrying around six or 12 dongles for the various things you might need, you can have like one kind of i mean admittedly larger but one single dongle that not only will you you can use like swiss army knife style but then if you're just like in a conference room or you're in your office you know or you you have like a home office or whatever it basically asks, acts like a little dock like a, yeah. a little faux docking station so in looking at it that way i mean i i feel like i sound a little apple apologist but I mean, I carry a MacBook for work and I have, I mean, without exaggerating, I think I probably have nine different dongles in my bag. Some of them are duplicates, but it's like, what if I need this and it fails? Or what yeah. if I'm I'm traveling with someone and they need one? Like, 
I would really rather have one little like playing card, like deck of card sized uncle that acts like a little faux dock that would do power video ethernet if I needed it or wanted it. And then a USB a if I needed it or wanted it and then just like be done thinking about it. Yeah. And I also love the idea of every display in the future is like a single hook into your laptop that will charge it, take the visuals, possibly if IO gets fast enough, will do a whole lot more for you so that when you're at home at your professional desk, you just slot it in and you're done and all your peripherals are ready to go and everything's awesome. Well, and I'm, I, I see this other thing you've thrown into the show notes, which folks can find at sunriserobot.net slash living table slash 145 for this episode um, about like, uh, is, is that external GPUs? This is uh, more of a, a platform for figuring out the software side of the rendering. Um, ah, okay. To, like low level APIs for GPU rendering. So OpenCL on the Mac, but it's cross platform. So it's for Windows and Mac. Um, but I'm, I'm, I threw it in the show notes because as we wait for a external GPU viable future, <laughs> um, I would, that would make the laptops can be portable and not compromise kind of life possible. Yep. And um, that's where, like, maybe your screen also has a GPU. And it's like, you know, our screens are, like, getting smarter and smarter until they're almost PCs <laughs> anyway. But uh, they would, it would be cool to be like, yeah, I got the best laptop. And then whenever I need GPU rendering, boom, here we go. Well, and so this is actually, this is exactly what I was I was speculating this might be about. Because putting a GPU into a screen doesn't, seem exactly like the trade-off of like oh my tv can stream netflix as well as the seven devices that are connected to it (laughs) they all stream netflix like it seems like you are it's kind of tell me if you think this analogy holds up i think it's a little bit more like putting the right kind of tires like snow tires on your car in the winter because when you're traveling around with your laptop, the GPU in your laptop only has to be powerful enough to drive the screen on that device. But yeah. then if you, if you hook it up to like a 32-inch, 5K, gigantic, super bright screen, I mean, that extra processing power to drive all those extra pixels has to come from somewhere. And yeah. if you're still driving the pixels in the laptop screen, like which is what I do, so I have you know my external monitor and my laptop screen on at the same time. So why not put like a little bit of extra horsepower in the screen? It's not, it's not smarter, right? You're not relying on it for like software functionality, but then when you need those extra pixels, it's kind of, it's, it's carrying its own weight almost. It's like, Hey, I want to drive all these extra pixels. Also, I brought my own car to carry them around in (laughs) like that. I I can, I don't know how, how often do people update their screens? Is it more often than they update their, GPUs. <laughs> it's probably less often. I mean, I bet a bunch of people bought 1080p screens and then, you know, several years later now everyone's kind of getting to 4K and 5K screens finally. Yeah. But it's probably faster than television upgrades. <laughs> but slow, well, for- I would say slower than GPUs. GPUs you might do every year if you're Oh dear god. If, if it was important to you. <laughs> For a professional, uh, you know, someone who's like a super hardcore gamer or someone who does video and graphic stuff for a living, could you just overbuy and maybe ride it for a few years? Like, okay, this screen is also my external GPU and I will use it for three years and then I will upgrade it. 
I, I bet a lot of the professionals would just be mad. Like, let me upgrade my GPU independently from my screen. My screen's perfectly fine. <laughs> Don't make yeah. me throw away this whole thing. So maybe screen with built-in GPU is more like prosumer level, where you're like, yeah, I don't want to buy two things. Like, I I want Skyrim to look really nice, but don't make me think about two things. (laughs) Well, and then you have to trust that the drivers for the screen GPU are going to be updated as nicely as any other hardware. Yeah, but I mean, fortunately, Apple makes their own displays. Oh, no, they don't. (laughs) They don't do that anymore. They Um, seem to have thrown their weight heavy into LG basically making screens for them because they have new 4K and 5K screens that have special smarts for charging MacBooks and serving as hubs for them and stuff. Yeah, which uh, we don't have to, you know, rehash the entire ATP episode. But there's, I think the pettiest argument that I heard was now when someone is looking at an Apple device connected to that monitor, the thing that they are literally looking at, the monitor, (laughs) is not an Apple device. And I just... I was I was listening and I just I was shaking my head like oh my god oh my god you who guys. cares I don't even know how many professionals mon- are looking at Apple monitors now anyway because they don't make unless you buy an iMac they don't make a super high DPI monitor yeah. for you yeah no let, let's not fall down this rabbit hole let's <laughs> okay. go to a different equally ridiculous rabbit hole um, uh, I am still of the mind that it could be interesting albeit. Probably this will never happen that uh, Apple could just make essentially a Linux distro and stop making desktop hardware altogether. I don't think this makes any sense. And (laughs) well, the only way it makes sense to me is if their business model changed, if they were moving their profit center to services or something else, and that was how they were going to live. So um, wait, is the implication there that Macs are their core business model? Because we know that that's not true. That hardware and vertical integration with software is their business model. And so by ah, okay. throwing that out, like I don't see anything except that complicates and muddies the water of support. Customers are going to be bringing in their own hardware to Apple stores, and they're going to be like, we can't, we don't know what this is. And we don't have these parts. <laughs> like, it just makes that all a lot harder to streamline. And it also means, I I imagine there would be more problems for more people. Um, Maybe not, but (laughs) it's just like any, any random problem is now a blight on your brand, even though it's like, but you built that piece of crap and tried to run it. And so like, those are like what I see is like the risks of like, yeah, I mean, those. Th- these are all valid. <laughs> what are what are the advantages for Apple? I know, like, tech it, people would love it, but it would be the shortest. Beca- I mean, because the Mac OS can already run on PC hardware because Macs are PC hardware. Yeah, like it's it is software prevented from doing that. So um, it, there's not really any technical work that needs or significant technical work that needs to be done on their part. And it's the shortest road from here to, yeah, we don't really make traditional computers anymore. And the reason I say the shortest road is because until there's a way to make iOS applications on iOS, you can't have iOS be your only platform. So I, they can either continue making macOS and, and Mac laptops the way they always have, or you know some, some semblance thereof. They can allow people to make iOS apps on 
other platforms, which seems actually less likely to me than Hackintoshes for some reason. <laughs> um, or, and, and this is uh, something I actually just thought of as I was running through this in my head, is um, like next year or in a couple years, release an iPad Pro with such ridiculously, ludicrously powerful guts for the sole purpose of it runs Xcode or, you know, an ARM version of Xcode. So now, yeah. finally, if you want to make iOS apps, you can buy that iPad and that is now your like development machine for iOS. And you know what? We don't really make traditional computers anymore. We're phasing them out. Like we'll do spec bumps for like a couple more years while people transition to all iOS life. And then we're just done with what y'all who, you know, had computers <laughs> in the nineties think of as traditional computers like that. That seems so like the, what they want. It seems like they want to get rid of traditional computers. So the premise here is that they don't want to make Macs. They just kind of have to for a while. And this is a way out. Yes. I mean, that, that the impression that I've gotten from them based on the attention they show to uh, Mac desktops and MacBooks is, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that means they, they don't need the Mac anymore, not just because of arbitrary Xcode reasons, but like completely don't need it. Like, yeah, it's not a huge part of their profits, but um, I, I still kind of believe this theory that Mac OS is able to be complex so that iOS can be simple and getting rid of the Mac would just turn that would impose a lot of weight onto what iOS now needs to serve the jobs iOS now has to do. Maybe, but would this not be like a return to in some ways to like the dichotomy in the the nineties of like, oh, if you want to do spreadsheets, like, yeah, fine, you've got your desktop at work that has Windows and has Microsoft Excel. But then when you want to do all of the things that you enjoy doing on a computer, you're gonna reach for your iPhone and for your iPad and, and it would help like consolidate their developer base and just say like, oh, hey, if you wanna work on an apple platform we have one it's ios yeah. <laughs> yeah um some i mean some things they've said recently um that they they really think the laptop and the keyboard mouse desktop form factor is not going away even if it's not the engine of tech industry right now and it's you know in terms of money been in decline and slash plateauing for a long time but um they seem to to think it's still a stable thing. It's just not. It's not the new plant in the garden that you're watering all the time. But it's yeah, not like go chop down those trees. <laughs> it's like those trees are fine. Just make sure they don't fall on the road. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Here, here's my final like totally random. I know nothing about the inner workings of Apple, so all of these ideas are probably equally insane. But I think this one is the most delightfully insane. This is even worse than a Linux distro to me. So <laughs> Apple, in a bid to bolster their clout in service offerings on the web, says, okay, as our way of phasing out the Mac but still allowing people to develop for iOS, now no one runs Xcode. You connect to an Xcode service on our servers somewhere that gives you your development environment and then we have 
crazy fast hardware. The simulator will be faster than anything you've ever seen. And if you need to pull down a local binary and run it on your machine, you can. And we will do all the signing and we will do all the, the, the heavy lifting in the background, you know, like a one click submit this from the Apple cloud into the app store kind of thing. (laughs) And then there would of course be a fee for this. Right. So it's like now, instead of paying the $99 to be a developer, you pay say maybe like $50 a year to have access to like their cloud and you could pay more money to get access to, you know, faster compiling and faster simulators and stuff like this. This is totally ridiculous. They will never, ever do It just doesn't sound like Apple to me. (laughs) No, God, not not even a little. But it would be an interesting way for them to say, like, oh, you want macOS? Well, you can still connect to essentially all of the things you use on macOS, but we're not going to sell you a computer that runs macOS. We're going to sell you macOS as a service that you connect to through your iOS device. Would we have any of this conversation if, like, the Mac App Store was, like, a wild success and, like, everyone <laughs> was just like, ha-ha, desktop apps? Like, uh, that would certainly Because, like, indie developers, <laughs> there's still, like, nice software development happening on the Mac. There's There's good apps that come out, but it's nowhere near what it used to be. Like, mid-aughts, like, it was kind of a... <laughs> It felt like a really thriving, like so many cool developers making Mac apps. And now it's like, yeah, I got TweetBot and I sometimes use it. And okay. I mean, I, I think the this Rogue is, Amoeba is cool. But. Yeah, Rogue I think this is mostly a question of what Apple is going to do because I don't think there's any lost love from their customers. I think people who use MacBooks still love MacBooks, and I think people who use iMacs still love their iMacs, and they that's why all this complaining has been happening, because they feel like there's some writing on the wall and some behavior they don't always really feel instills them with a ton of confidence. So I'm I'm not uh I'm not concerned for, for the developer community or the, the customer base. But Apple just is kind of like, you know, yeah, we, yeah, I mean, we make. I laptops. still love you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you ever call me? <laughs> so I don't, I, I think it would be, they're also, because of their, their shenanigans history with ripping the bandaid off, as you say, uh, they're kind of in an interesting position to tackle one of these seemingly nonsense <laughs> ways to transition from, you know, traditional computing to, uh, mobile first or mobile only computing because they could just say uh you know what xcode runs on the ipad now and if you want to code for ios you got to get an ipad pro i mean that's <laughs> that's what they say right now what they say that right now is if you want to code for a, to me. yeah right now they say if you want to code for a mac you got to buy a mac like they they've already drawn that line in the sand so they would essentially just be redrawing the same line um the, you know, the I Linux distro, would... that's never going to happen. Xcode is a service. That seems incredibly insane. But <laughs> I mean, in that case, I don't see them ripping the Band-Aid off in one single announcement. I think it would be Xcode is now also on iPad. And then two or three later, years later, okay, we're not doing the Mac anymore. But Oh, yeah. I, I think it would have to be a two-step thing. It would be... I could imagine it as like, okay, Xcode is on the iPad also don't ever we're never going to announce anything for max again like we will still sell them we will spec bump them like two more times and then and then we're we're done right so it would be like a 
a quiet, dignified death <laughs> where it's just like we're just going to put all of our intention and attention on iOS and what you can now do there. And we are just kind of never going to do because I mean, they yeah. there's already precedence for all of this. Like they spec bomb some of their computers without announcing it all the time. They just do like a quiet like, oh, hey, we put faster SSDs in there, but they're not going to have an announcement over that. So if they yeah. wanted to just quietly discontinue Mac OS, this, this would not – I don't even really see the downside to this other than it would remove a consumer product from the market that consumers like. But from Apple's point of view, it's like they wouldn't lose that much money. It would allow them internally to focus on a single platform and a single hardware line. Like There are actually some advantages to this from yeah. their point of view. <laughs> I'd say it also depends on the trajectory of – touch versus traditional computing and are they both stable for a long time and it's a matter of how and if they converge and in what ways they do and or is it really hey keyboard and mouse is a weird niche that will be a peripheral that is no longer like i don't know i don't really believe that exactly but it's like Microsoft's right, they're just too early and clunky or <laughs> or they're wrong and, you know, touch OS paradigm will be a separate branch of the computing tree and the Mac will be here a long time, it just won't be sexy anymore. It's the, you know, it's yeah. grandpa. It it does feel a little bit like how some people prefer to use a mouse and keyboard to play like a first person shooter and then other people are like, "No, nah, controller's fine." It, like I think for a lot of the things you you would say, oh, I have to have a mouse to do this on a computer. It's like, no, you could probably do it with a touch interface if the touch interface was designed well. Not all things. There are certainly things that a high-precision device is superior for, but most things come down to it sucks to do it with touch targets if the touch targets are too small. Yeah. So I, I could see a lot of that being overcome with better touch UIs and then... The keyboard, I feel like, is is actually stickier than the mouse. Like, I would rather... Have yeah, the to mouse be... might die in our lifetime. Yeah. yeah, I would way rather do gorilla arms out to touch the screen, but then have physical keys to tap on than, than the, have a precision pointing device. Like, I, I don't... I know we're going to go... I, I suspect <laughs> we will see some all-glass devices in our... Like a Microsoft Courier-style digital keyboard on the bottom and screen on top but well, I'm not the, looking forward to in it. the show westworld they have like just little glass slates that are edge to edge screens and they t type on them and i'm like that's not no that doesn't like yeah. no tactile feedback typing is sucks like i've done the keyboard test i can still type like 50 or 60 words a minute on my boring. ipad glass <laughs> but it sucks and i make more mistakes and it's not yeah. fun although i mean i guess if we're we're talking short term, but if we go full on sci-fi, like maybe they'll have surfaces that, you know, kind of uh, sim simulate tactile feedback. Cause that's true. Like if, if they can trick your fingers into thinking that there's something or if the, the surface itself can actually reshape, it's like, Oh, right now I need it to be shaped like a keyboard. So the flubber magically, yeah. you know, coalesces into a keyboard. Like that's, <laughs> I just need tactile feedback. Just don't make me look at my freaking fingers while I'm typing. <laughs> Or the another alternative, and this I feel like this doesn't work in all cases, and this certainly doesn't work if you're typing something esoteric like uh, like programming. But as voice input continues to improve, like 
maybe it'll just become normalized to shout everything at our machines or yeah maybe we'll, well end up with some some combination of these where you it's like mostly shouting but then also you have the flubber keyboard and like i even wonder like you would you would speak but for punctuation only you'd have like a a nine digit thing that would have all your common things so you wouldn't have to be like question mark like you could <laughs> you would just get used to like a very very tiny set of keys where a touch surface wouldn't be that bad and you'd just be like blah 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 comma blah blah blah, blah period you know i i will say uh that that is a weird one cuz i don't do speech to text on like text messages and emails very often but I've noticed that the weirdness of that resets every time, but it fades super fast. So if I'm dictating text messages like one sentence at a time, like they're, they're single sentence replies, every single text message when I say comma or period, I'm like, ugh. But then if, I, if I'm dictating like an email and it's like four or five sentences long, by like the third sentence... I'm just like, yeah, this, these are just words in my it sentence. seems so inefficient, though. <laughs> oh, it's wicked inefficient. But I'm just saying, like, the the awkwardness of it resets to super awkward easily, but it also fades out of awkwardness super easily for me. It's it's kind of a weird... I, I, don't, I don't know exactly yeah. why it's like that. This is making me think of, well, I just saw the movie Arrival, and I won't spoil anything, but there's lots of interesting details about other ways a language could be set up. And so I'll oh. talk to you after the show about it. But yeah. I, was just, I was just thinking about, like, we have all these these punctuation marks, which are for written language to indicate pauses and tone and um, literally if something is a question or a command or, or other things. And it's like, that's a, a vestige of our written communication that we're now having to speak because <laughs> we're telling a computer to write something. And it's it seems like... Man, we wouldn't ever do this in the first place. It's just us retrofitting <laughs> a, another model onto something else. Well, I mean, for a very large part of history, the written word did not include punctuation. And when you see stuff written in English, like what you can recognize as English with no punctuation, it looks like it was written by a serial killer because <laughs> it's just <laughs> like all crammed together. I wonder, uh, this is kind of another voice input thing that could potentially just be solved by technology uh what if it gets good enough that it recognizes where punctuation should go in a sentence and it's yeah, like, oh, like that- it can hear your inflection and- yeah or even like oh that was a subordinate clause so i need to wrap that in commas because subordinate clauses get commas like that that would be pretty that trippy. would be great you could be conversational truly and then it would figure it out and same for like I don't know. I was almost like thinking it'd be like a musical instrument and you'd have like a a, a kick pedal or a, something you would pound <laughs> for like line breaks or other things. And you would get really good at it because you'd just be like a good orator. You'd just be talking like smack, talk, 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 smack. I don't know. I mean, further research is required on whether or not Full that would stop. actually be efficient, but it sounds super fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I just kind of want to do it anyway. Like dictating to a secretary, like stop, full stop. Next. <laughs> yeah. And more of that craziness. Speaking of craziness, tell me about this crazy thing that you found and then burdened me with. And then Matt Duncan actually made me watch the video for. Yeah. He, he's the one that found this too. Um, this is the, the Terrace Cash. Um, it's a coin purse for the modern era. It's, uh, their, their tagline is the most singular and sleek 
coin experience. A coin which I wanna... purse for the modern era is a pretty contradictory sentence. <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, which I have to say is, anytime I have to deal with coins, I'm kind of mad. And it's not because coins... <laughs> It's not just because coins are annoying to deal with and I wish someone would streamline it. It's just be like, why are we still handing metal to each other? <laughs> <laughs> um, so any, anyway, this product is, is uh, it's a, a circular little case and you, you spin your thumb on the top and the lid spins out to reveal the coins. And then they have little... There's physical dividers in it so that your coins can neatly sit and not just slosh around like a any other kind of like zipper coin purse kind of situation. Um, but most importantly, and this is a Kickstarter, and they made their 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 goal of five thousand six hundred and sixty three dollars, which is oddly specific. Oddly specific. <laughs> um, but they have a video, and it's like an Apple product video. It's white. I mean, it's black instead of a white room. But they also have lots of footage of like you know nice bamboo tables and whatever going on and the video is just cringy like they (laughs) they they decided to make an apple video and then they did it really low budget but all the same like ego is in the video and like i listened with headphones right before the show and the audio is so bad on this video like um the the voice recording just as someone who's a podcaster and like knows how to use mics and do recordings <laughs> it's just like a crappy recording it sound you can hear his room the whole time it's like he's almost recording a voice memo or something reading his product poetry to us so, would you ever use something like this no absolutely not what an absurd question <laughs> although i will admit that uh I haven't carried cash in a long time. I've gone out of my way to not carry cash for longer than it was like trendy to not carry cash, like to my own detriment. Just before it was cool. (laughs) Well, just because I found it annoying. Like I would walk into a business that was like, oh, you know, we're we're cash only, or like, oh, there's a fee if you have a a debit or a credit card. And I would just, I don't care. I'm not. I don't want to carry cocaine straws and little metal frisbees around with me everywhere (laughs) I go. And and this is coming from someone who spent the the later part of my childhood years fantasizing about carrying gold coins around like D and D style, so I could like go into a restaurant and like plunk down my leather satchel full of gold coins. But I did not have to get very far into my teenage years before I recognized how incredibly stupid that was <laughs> and, and inefficient. So looking at this. It's like, yeah, if I had to carry coins, would this be a nice way to carry them? I guess. But there's some weirdness in here, even from just a standpoint of like what it's trying to accomplish. It says somewhere in the video a phrase to the effect of um, stores the ideal amount of coins. Like what? How many is that? Is it is it like is it like two dollars worth? Is it like $10 worth? A day of parking meters? Yeah, like. yeah. and I mean, that. this is a nitpicky thing, but I mean, it's a freaking compact. Like, if you've ever seen, like, a compact that a woman would use to apply makeup, that is all this thing is, except instead of makeup inside, it will hold, I think, two coins deep of coins. So... <laughs> You couldn't get that much money in here. Also, I didn't realize when I watched this the first time, there was something bothering me about it, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. 
this is not an American company. This is not American money. Right. It's it just like, I feel stupid for not being able to pick that out the first time. But I kept looking <laughs> at the coins and I was like, what the hell is wrong with these coins? Like, and it wasn't like there was something Your wrong Americanism with Americanism is showing. <laughs> well, it wasn't, there's something wrong with the coins and I can't figure it out. It was just that every time coins were on screen, I was like, why am I experiencing cognitive dissonance right now? <laughs> and it's because it's not American money. It's Singapore, Singaporean money. I don't, what is the right <laughs> word for this? It's SGD. Okay. Um, I, I like halfway down the page, they have a looping gif of him opening the coin, per, the terrace cash. And <laughs> I it, love that you actually say the name. <laughs> it's captioned only a single hyphen hand, a single hand action is required. And it shows him open it. And I'm like, yeah, but now you got to get some coins out. So <laughs> are you going to use that same hand to dig it out with only your thumb? No, you're going to get your other hand involved. And if I was like, what's the difference between that and, oh, a single hand went into my pocket and got coins? That yeah, is then actually I'm gonna... more efficient because <laughs> that truly is a single hand experience <laughs> because coins are different enough in shape and thickness that you could feel out what coins you need without <laughs> taking them all out and sifting through them. Yeah, but I mean, everyone's seen the 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 dad with a bunch of coins in his hand picking through them to, to pay for something situation. So this is a technology solution to a culture problem because what you just described is someone with too many coins in their pocket. <laughs> and what this does is make it impossible for you to carry too many coins because so it will it will only hold a finite amount. So if you just only carried this many coins, you could still do the tactile feedback thing. But in practice, you're just never going to have enough coins for what you want to do. You're like, uh, I got to pay too much and get a bunch of new coins now. Great. I consider receiving coins failure in almost every time it happens. Coin management made easy. A unique tactile experience. This whole thing seems like such a joke. <laughs> I are is it I mean you you called me on it like is this a thing that's unique to the United States or maybe to the western world since this is Singaporean really what is the right word to say there this is a Singapore company like do do other countries still by and large carry coins what because may, the, this may... guy in this in these press shots is wearing like a nice suit it shows him putting the the cash into like his suit jacket pockets where you would not normally carry coins. Like you would put like a wallet or a phone there. So are there parts of the world where someone is obviously rich enough to carry a credit card or a mobile device that they can pay with, but yet still chooses to carry coins or that it's like too much of the infrastructure requires coin operation. Like, Oh, I want to get on this subway. I want to get, I want to use this public restroom that costs money to use or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, that, An infrastructure it, problem that's being solved. If that's true, that must be a really awkward, like, cultural thing to be walking around with essentially all of your money accessible via a delightful little plastic rectangle or you still have to carry, like, $3 in coins in case you need to take a leak or park your car. Like, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm at the very bottom. Uh, no, sorry, the page didn't load all the way. That's weird. Midway down the page, uh, they do actually have a little looping GIF of different countries' coinage in there, and the American coins looks like about eighty cents, eighty <laughs> eighty two, eighty three cents. It's like I don't, I can't think of anything in my life that would be worth carrying around this stupid little aluminum circle. That would have been fixed by 83 cents. <laughs> uh, that's about all I got on the Terra's cash. Uh, you should ch- definitely check out the show notes and watch the ridiculous video. They start off with Moonlight Sonata Beethoven. <laughs> and it's like, I know it's supposed to be like the diamond commercial, like serious, but it's just like, it's gloomy. It's just like the world ended and you didn't have enough coins. <laughs> You really have made me no, not the enough coins, the perfect amount of coins. <laughs> you really have made me self conscious now that this is a cultural thing that I'm just like Americaning all over and, and being <laughs> ignorant, but if it is, I really hope they get over that soon and join digital money life because it's pretty great. <laughs> Ugh. I'm going to watch this terrible video again after we're done recording because it is hilariously bad. Anyway, um, this uh, thing, speaking of American-centric, this uh, thing happened in the States earlier this week. Selection. Uh, Yeah, selection. And that's actually not what we're going to talk about because I think we've done a pretty decent job of steering. Not never, but we've pretty much steered clear of politics yeah. wouldn't you say i don't i don't lack for thoughts on it but i just this show isn't where i want to put them <laughs> yeah that is not what this is about but uh what i do think uh this has put on a lot of people's minds regardless of the the side of the fence you fall on is um the government has a lot of power to like surveil you and come after your data and if you are not down with the current administration or if you are coming up to an election and you think I would not be comfortable with one of those two people having access to information about me. (laughs) It's kind of like a a little, you know, four year reminder to secure your shit. Yeah. Which I, I, to be clear, I've been critical of state surveillance during Obama's administration, even though I generally have been supportive of his administration, um, other than the whole using killer robots to assassinate people and some of that stuff's a little yeah, not, not super supportive, <laughs> a little of questionable. Um, but the surveillance thing, I'm like, and it's for exactly the reason of like, no matter how just and judicious you think the current guy might be, someday a bad guy is going to be in charge of the joystick, and he can do something much worse with it. But nevertheless, we're not here today to talk about the politics of surveillance, but more like if you were actually concerned about it in general, whether it's your own government or some other nefarious world government or non-government evil people, um, just sort of a, a refresher on like what what are good what's good hygiene for your data um, for the moderate tinfoil person. Um, just just a, a little crazy not not full calorie crazy and and you prepared kind of a, a big list which you know overlaps in a venn diagram with me pretty strongly so i thought you could you could start us off so i think number one we've talked about this i don't know how many times but it bears repeating until everyone in the world has gotten it right is strong passwords and by extension a password manager because if you have 
unless you have like an amazing Sherlock Holmesian memory, I don't know how you could have the sheer volume of passwords that a person has in this day and age and also have them be strong and also remember them. So the strongest password that a, a service will accept uh, and then all kept in a password manager that is behind the strongest password you yourself can remember, which you also need to rotate periodically. <laughs> yeah, which I just checked my one password and I have about 500 things in there. And some of them are secure notes or not exactly passwords, but nonetheless. And I've actually tried to cleanse and close down accounts and like clean this. And I've still got literally hundreds of passwords. Yeah, I'm right there with you, I think. And I only have a few secure notes and and account listings, and I think I'm up over 300. So holy crap, dude. (laughs) That's a lot of freaking (laughs) passwords to try and remember. So yeah, strong passwords. And and I feel like password manager, these are the same tip. Like you need to use a password manager. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not only so you're not like obviously generating your passwords in a pattern that someone could crack, (laughs) let the machine do the hard work there. That's a great one. What else? Uh, two-factor authentication everywhere that will accept it. Um, consider skipping on services that have secure information but don't allow two-factor. Uh, this is not a complicated technology. It can be implemented probably by a single library in basically every programming language. <laughs> so, Well, and one of the ones that's actually bitten people recently is if your second factor is your phone number to receive a text message, um, the carriers have been proven a weak link where they can be called and convinced to reset um, which device receives messages for that phone number. And so if if you're you're worried about it, um, maybe pick a second factor that isn't receiving an SMS. Yeah. Yeah, And this is someplace that um, just really highlights how human beings will always always, always, always be the weak link, which is why we have to refresh these things, even for ourselves, as much as for, you know, folks listening at home is like, I'm sure that there are places where I could be more secure. And I've like taken the lazy road, or I took the convenient road, or God forbid, I took the I'll update this later road. (laughs) Like I've caught myself more than once where I had to sign up for a service from my phone. And I'm like, oh, I'll just type in a dumb password and then I'll I'll update it later. And I think I actually did that once or twice. And then I was like, no, I have one password on my phone. It's yeah. just a couple taps and long presses away and I can have a secure password and then I don't have to think about this again. Yeah. And one of the features of there's there's uh, this feature may be across a lot of the software. I'm not as familiar outside of one password, but they have a feature where you can optionally have it check the services that your passwords point to and let you know if there's known security news related stuff that impacts your passwords. And so you can get a list of, Hey, go change these passwords. We know that this company got hacked recently. And so that's a really nice feature um, for maintaining your security. Um, I think they call it security audit or something. Watchtower. 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 Yeah, um, and and LastPass, and I'll I'll throw a link to this in the show notes. Um, but LastPass just changed what you get in their free tier, which is now a lot of the stuff you would have paid for. Multi device so, is the big one, I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I mean, one password. I love one password, but it does cost money. But LastPass is a phenomenal service and is now essentially free, or at least free for for what most people need. So m- cost is not a barrier to good behavior. Yeah, that's a good one. What else? What else? Uh, use your cloud services thoughtfully, and and what I really mean here is like I trust Google pretty far i I know there's lots of people that don't trust them as much as i do i know dropbox you know we talked about them a a little bit back and uh we've kind of hit a unfortunate roadblock on like a secure no knowledge syncing service because you know sync is kind of like a but yeah um you you should probably be a little bit thoughtful about what you put into these services because once it's in there there's a fairly good chance it's never truly gone so yeah. if, if you put something personal, you into, don't control the keys. So the yeah. government, even if you like the company, the government can theoretically come and knock and say, give us that stuff. Well, and even like, it, you know, let's just say uh, Hitler's about to be elected and you're like, <laughs> oh, I don't want Hitler to get access to my stuff in my my cloud service. So you delete everything out of your cloud service. If it wasn't stored in an encrypted state where you were the only one who had the keys, there's a chance that they have unencrypted or otherwise accessible backups that they can get to yeah. maybe indefinitely. So even though you have removed your stuff from their service, that doesn't mean you've removed it from its ability to be surveilled yeah. by Hitler in this weird universe I've started describing. Um, <laughs> but so it's just like, that's an interesting consideration is it's, it's not like removing a physical item. It's not like you can go to your storehouse and say, Oh, well I'll take all of my gold doubloons and I'll hide them somewhere else. So if someone comes to my storehouse, they won't find my gold doubloons because <laughs> it's, that's just not how data works. So this is a thing to be mindful of. If you don't want your personal medical records to potentially be accessible, don't store PDFs of your personal medical records in an unencrypted service because who knows? You should only store your gold doubloons in a terrace cache. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um. No, that that's that's fair. Now I have to back their Kickstarter because... I need somewhere to put my doubloons. Now, one of these ones in your list is to skip the login with Facebook or login with Twitter buttons and to try to use unique accounts when you, you know, a lot of services now when you create an account, it can be like, hey, use Twitter instead of your own email address. So what did you mean by that? Yeah, the, the whole thing about unique accounts to me is the data exchange between usually Facebook, but, you know, also Google and and Twitter and these other social services. Like, you log into something with Facebook, and there's a pretty good chance they now have access to tons of information about you you don't need to share, you didn't realize you were sharing, you may not be interested in sharing. So there's this whole amount of data that you're handing over for what is a pretty trivial convenience – like entering a username and a password once when you create an account on a service is really not that big of a deal compared to, well, it's okay if they know who I am and everyone I've ever known and every photo (laughs) I've ever taken. Like that, that seems like a pretty steep price to pay. And there's no shortage of stories of like games abusing this, not because they were bad people, but because they were lazy. And so when they set up their login with Facebook, they just did the like all permissions version of login with Facebook. I think Google got bit by this not too long ago before they fixed it. Um, Pokemon Go. 
Oh yeah, Pokemon Go. Exactly. So you know, th- this is like just create a freaking independent account if you can. It is not that big of a deal. And because you're going to store that username and password in your password manager, yeah. it, you won't even have to remember it. It's super fine. Well, another thing, I've, I've started using my email provider's alias ability. And since I, I'm using my own domain, pseudomichael.com, and so like when I made a New York Times account, it's, you know, I don't mind saying this, nyt at pseudomichael.com is my login. And I don't, I don't actually know if that has any security implications, but uh, it also helps me know where I'm getting spam from. It's like, oh, they gave my info to some other company because they emailed one of my other aliases. Yeah, it definitely has spam implications. Uh, for a brief time, several years ago, uh, when my primary email address was a Gmail address, I did the plus thing. Yeah. So, like, I would have had like plus New York Times. And then if I got spam to that address, it was like, oh, thanks a lot, New York Times. Now I know you're the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the other thing I, I would add to your list, I know you have a few more here, um, is we had a great example this uh, summer when the, the Democratic campaign got hacked. Um, and the word hacked, you know, loosely, um, they got social engineered. Um, John Podesta, very famously, um, <laughs> apparently in, in the emails that got dumped there, there's very direct emails from their security guy saying, Hey, we're not secure. We need to do a better job. And like he was email, <laughs> emailing it over and over. And it's funny to see those emails now. Um, but you know, basically they got sent fake, you know, password reset links and they, some of their staff fell for it. And there you go. Um, so my tip there is like, as always, beware of anyone that's asking you for something. If a company says, Hey, we got hacked and we think everyone should reset their password. I will go to their website independently. I will not use, no matter how legit the email looks, I don't use their email to do it. Well, and I I don't remember if we talked about this story the last time we, we kind of dove into security stuff, but, um, this happens with banks sometimes because, I mean, social engineering and I guess what you would now call spear phishing, where you target a specific person and like a specific social vulnerability is not that hard to do. Like it's hard to scale, but the actual act is pretty straightforward. And uh, multiple times I've been called by my bank or a credit card that I have or, or some account where they call me and they're like, hello, Mr. Lyons. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, oh, this is so-and-so calling from such-and-such a bank. And I'm like, okay. And then the next thing out of their mouth is like, you know, to confirm that we've got the right person, can you please verify this information? And I'm like, no, no. Yeah, because <laughs> like, you you don't really know who that person is that called. Yeah, I have no idea who they are. So like more than once, I actually had not a problem with my account, but like a thing that needed to be, you know, dealt with. And I was like, I'm going to call you like I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call you back via the number I have like on my credit card or on my you know bank statement or whatever or like I'm going to you know in the freaking yellow pages but like I'm going to call someone that I'm more confident is actually associated with the business to resolve this and every single time it's probably happened half a dozen times in my you know adult life is the person on the other end like you can hear them rolling their eyes. They're just like, yeah. oh, another crazy. And it's like, yeah, but I only have to be wrong once and, <laughs> yeah. and and give my information to someone 
And, you know, when you're talking about like bank account information or God forbid, they're stupid enough to be like, oh, can you just, you know, verify your social security number? And it's like, nope, the answer to that will forever be no. (laughs) If you called me and I have no way to verify who you are because that's not how phones work, then no, the answer is no. (laughs) I can't verify anything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this completely. Like social engineering will always be the big hang up, but that's why each of these things together kind of makes for a stronger right if you have different passwords everywhere then the damage someone can do with a piece of your digital life is much smaller it's more contained right and two-factor means that even if they have your password they can't get into your stuff actually you know at least not simply um and then if you're using different accounts right they're not you're not seeing uh data bleed over in the background and you're also not able like if you log into everything with facebook and then somebody gets a hold of your facebook now you're screwed and this is the same problem we've always had with email is whenever someone is like oh i don't you know i just left my phone unlocked and it's like do you have your email on your phone oh yeah and it's like but then they have you like yeah, if someone everything if someone gets your email they can now figure out what bank you use what insurance provider you have what you know where your home loan is anything basically anything they could possibly want to know about you and they can essentially get into all of those accounts because now they can do password resets so for the love of god if you only set up two-factor auth on one thing it should probably be your email (laughs) yeah um and i have my last two kind of like these are a little bit uh, i admit i think even these are a little bit more tinfoily but they are things that the average person should at least be aware of so they can make an informed decision about whether or not they care which is um kind of be aware of devices that have cameras in them or microphones in them um especially like internet of things devices like smart cameras and and you know devices you can talk to like you're essentially inviting surveillance devices into your home or into your life and i mean i have devices like this i'm 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 thankful that i have them because i like the service that they provide but i feel like i'm mindful of the vendor that's providing them i feel like i'm mindful of where they are in my life so it's like if they were compromised what would that person be getting access to what could they see what could they hear that kind of thing so you know, Internet of Things devices and, and smart devices, because those really are, we don't, I won't go into it, but I mean, those are different things. An Internet of Things device, like a smart bulb and a an actual like tiny Linux computer that's shoved into a refrigerator, like those are different and they have different uh, security, you know, compromise vectors and, and, or what do you call it? An attack vector. Like they, they are very different things. So, I'll just yeah. say like any anything that is essentially a little computer, particularly if it's attached to a microphone or a camera, um, be super aware of how secure that thing is. Can someone get into it in a way you don't know? Yeah. How is it secured? How is it accessed? You know, if you can just type in an IP address and get to a camera, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. If if you can get to it like, oh, we publish a public facing web page you can go to to see your camera. It's like if it's, you know, let's say it's a cat shelter and you're just looking at your pet in the pet, the pet, you know, hotel, that's fine. But your own house, no way. Yeah. yeah I really, I'm, I'm firmly convinced that people don't really think about this. Um, there's been a couple scares in the last year or two, maybe even further back, but certainly high profile ones where, um, 
it was like, oh, did you know that if your webcam is turned on, the light is not automatically on and someone can actually remotely turn on the camera, but wasn't not there the light? A, a school that was doing that, that was spying on their students, like with their issued uh, laptops? That, that sounds right, but I do not remember the specifics yeah. of the story. I also remember just researchers proving with a now very old model of MacBook, like when they were black and white plastic, I think was how old, but <laughs> that they could turn the camera on without the light. Um, I'm pretty sure the new ones are way more secure um, from what I've read, but none yeah. the, nevertheless, be mindful of what you have, what you bought. And, yeah, and, 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 and you have to be because uh, to kind of add on to what you said earlier about like, Eventually, there will be someone in charge you don't like or trust. And whether or not they are trustworthy, you should still feel like you can protect yourself from them, right? Like, that's why I said this is not really strictly about politics, because if you don't like the person in charge and that person in charge is not trying to surveil you, but you feel like you don't even want there to be an opportunity for them to surveil you, like, you should have that freedom. You should be able to protect yourself you know, arm yourself with knowledge kind of thing. But another piece of it is, and we saw this with Apple so much earlier this year and last year with the the things that were going on is like, you can't rely on Apple or Microsoft or Google or whoever to do the right thing and fight the man. There may be times when they are the man, where they are, yeah. are doing unscrupulous things or AT&T. they're complying with the government. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all of this. So uh, it's, it is a gigantic burden to take all of this on and have to become a security expert but there are so many easy things you can do to weed out the most common and a lot of the most automatable kinds of attacks that if somebody really wants to screw you they're gonna get you some some way but you can you know save yourself from a lot of unhappiness well, the, by just taking very simple steps. The way I've heard it phrased is you're not trusting only policy to protect you, that you're actually, and I think this was part of, you know, Snowden's call to tech companies is like, don't just believe in good policy, make the technology secure. And that yeah. that's really what we need. Yeah, I like that. I mean, particularly uh, when you think about like double, double, or was it perfect, perfect, perfect forward secrecy it's like oh yeah yeah it's it's the the better because there's lots of different kinds of encryption everybody always just says encryption but there's lots of different kinds of encryption and um ovaltine whatever that level (laughs) (laughs) oh that's um you mean like a cipher (laughs) yeah just like a simple you know letter replacement code drink more ovaltine (laughs) uh i gotta cue that up holidays are coming up um Yeah, I mean, did do you think did I leave any significant ones off my list of like so strong pa- passwords, password manager, two factor auth everywhere it's available. Uh, be thoughtful about the cloud services you use. Uh, be thoughtful about the the microphones and cameras you invite into your life. <laughs> did, did I leave any big ones off? And then just the last one for me is the social like beware of weird requests or strange ways of you know they called me kind of situations. You know that. I think that kind of mindset is actually probably the most valuable because you won't do any of these other things if you just assume everything is trustworthy and everything is fine. <laughs> but if if you are mindful of like, 
why is why do I have this email that is ostensibly from Google, even though Google is misspelled asking me for my Google password? <laughs> like, if you don't have the kind of personality to think twice about that, you're probably not going to build the password manager habit. You're probably no. not going to skip using login with Facebook because even though it only saves you one click, by God, you have to save that one click. So I don't want people to be tinfoily. I just want them to respect that there are unscrupulous and malicious actors. And it's like a lot brushing of those... your teeth. Only secure the digital life you don't <laughs> want compromised. Uh, but always your email because that's the gate to everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that is a wicked depressing note to end on, but I think we have to put a bow on it there. <laughs> you got any any more um, stupid Kickstarters to quickly lighten the mood? Uh, give me a week. We'll figure it out. <laughs> all right, episode 146, all stupid Kickstarters. <laughs> uh, so Mike and I love feedback, and uh, I think particularly if you want to jump into uh, Twitter or the Reddit with um, more like good security practices, like, I'm sure there's stuff I'm not doing that I could be. Um, and low-hanging fruit is what I'm most interested in here. Like, what are the things that everyone could be doing regardless of their tech- technical ability yeah. that, that would just make them that much more secure? You know, a, a high uh, return on investment. Like, should be, we be using Privacy Badger and, you know, uBlock and all this stuff? Like, does that matter? Is that more just whatever i'd be interested to hear oh yeah man i didn't even think about browser extensions and and vpns and stuff but yeah that's but those all require slightly higher levels of sophistication but they're definitely i think they're valid um that that could be follow up next week uh but yeah you can find us uh most easily on twitter uh i am at lines and beta and mike you are at pseudo michael s-u-d-o michael but for the more thoughtful tinfoil hat conversations, uh, definitely check out our Reddit. It's uh, reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables. And then we have a new thread for every episode uh, so the conversations can stay as focused as a Reddit conversation is able to, which is, you know, not super focused, but still always super fun. <laughs> um, if you want to uh, subscribe to the show, do that in your favorite podcatcher of choice. That way you don't have to go to the website every week. You know, we still release every Tuesday. We haven't missed a single week in 145 episodes, which I think is pretty awesome. But, you know, why not have that little convenience feature of having the episode just delivered to you by robots? Um, I'm still using uh, Pocket Cast. Mike, I think you're still on Overcast, right? Yep. Well, the the old one, the the pre-ad era one. <laughs> um, but yeah, and there's lots of good uh, podcatchers out there. So use whichever one tickles your fancy and then just mash that RSS iTunes button on our website or use the search and flipping tables will come right up. If you want to support us a little bit more, you can actually go into iTunes, leave a rating and review that helps other people find the show, brings it up in search results, all that good stuff. Plus it gives us the warm fuzzies. And then if you want to support us really directly, uh, we do have Patreon, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And depending on the amount you pledge, you might actually get your name shouted out at the end of flipping tables or all the sunrise robot shows. So that I have to, and am happy to, Give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Gold Doubloons Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, Justin Edwards, Joan Edwards, and Warren Myers. We love you all so much, we could not do this without you. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>